What's up, everybody, and welcome to the iReach Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Robinson, founder and CEO of Construct Reach, a national consultancy and initiative that aims to diversify the construction, design, and innovation industries and empower a younger generation. Every single week, we are here merging education, industry, and culture with a variety of featured guests that you do not want to miss. So let's go. I reach. All right, guys. Well, Paul Robinson is back with you once again for another episode. And we've got Jennifer crying on. She is our program and education manager here at Construct Reach. And today we are going to talk about biases, right? Yeah, that's a heavy topic. Uh, we can talk about this all day, but I wanted to make sure that we got a chance to put some emphasis on this, especially as we're looking at how to build healthy organizations, and also how biases can just creep in naturally, right? So Jen, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so cool. So we're going to jump right into this. Um, How would you define or how is bias typically defined? Yeah, Paul. So bias is judgments and behaviors towards others. It's shaped by our experiences, our backgrounds, and our values. But it's really important to note that these biases are crucial in helping our minds quickly and effectively navigate the world around us to process that information. And they're reinforced by our societal culture. So where this leads to problems is it can lead to discrimination, which harms workplace equality, opportunity, culture, and productivity. Mm, Nice, nice. Okay. So when, when we think about, you know, biases, and it sounds like everybody has them. Right. Um, And so it's important for us to be aware or become aware or for someone to raise the level of awareness. Right. That we have um, in terms of biases. So in terms of unconscious biases, do we typically find that taking place in the workplace? And if we do, how do those become a hindrance to establishing the company culture that you want to have, but just not noticing how some of those unconscious biases are preventing you from doing that? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. That's a great question. So there's a huge misconception that there's no place for bias in the workplace. And that's actually been proven to be wrong. So do you know what it's called when we as a collective society agree to a list of bias and we write them down? Hmm, you got to educate me now. That's why I'm talking to you. Come on. Yeah, job qualifications. It's really how we group and process information to be able to work throughout the day and process all of the information our brain is taking in. We do this with our grocery list. When we categorize how many of us are guilty of, you know, I don't want to go back and forth up and down the aisles. So I categorize based on dairy, based on produce, based on canned goods. You're using bias to collectively make those lists. Another prime example of who uses bias all the time is your Google search bar. That's all they're doing is grouping (laughs) using bias. So we know the common types of bias that can exist, right? That we're all familiar with, you know, race, gender, generational age. But there's things that are less known that occur daily that can really create havoc in our workplace. Things like affinity bias or things where it's similarities. So what this could look like is let's say that you're conducting two interviews, Paul. Let's say you have an interview with Helen and you have an interview with George. You've looked at the resumes and you've said, hey, Jen, I really think George has the skills to be successful in this role. Yeah. Now you conduct these interviews and let's say Helen comes in and she looks up and she goes, 
oh, Paul, you went to K-State? I went to K-State too, you know? Yeah, go K-State. My dad went there. It's legacy in the family. Great school. You guys are vibing. You're talking now. Everyone's laughing. The interview starts and you're like, hey, Helen, you asked the question and she kind of fumbles, right? Mm-hmm. And you stop for a minute and you're like, hey, Helen, it's okay. Take a pause. We're going to restart. Let me know when you're ready. She takes time to compose. You guys restart the interview. You're diving now. She's laughing at your jokes. You guys are getting along great. And she goes out the door. Now George comes in. George is sitting there. It's a few minutes before your lunch time. Nothing really sticking out too much. No similarities for you. And you kind of do this as he's talking, that dreaded watch glance that nobody's supposed to see during an interview. <laughs> but we know kind of happens, right? Right. And now George is just visibly sweating. He's fumbling over his words. He thanks you, you shake hands and he leaves. So the next day you and I are talking and I'm like, hey, how'd the interviews go? You know, when's George going to start? And you respond, well, actually, I think I'm going to go with Helen. Mm. Now, do you think that you consciously had anything to do with the trajectory of those two interviews? And how? No, I can see how that, that happens a lot, right? Because you find this source of commonality with someone you feel at ease to a certain extent, and maybe you begin to minimize what you should be a little bit more critical of because of what you're trying to achieve, you know? Um, and I can see how that happens, especially in, in leadership sometimes, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. So the way to really guard against this is to limit, one, you were kind of rushed on time with George, right? You were hungry, you were ready to get out of there. So you need to create space for that time and make sure you're dedicating the same space to both of those opportunities. Yeah. That means your mindset, you know, if your belly needs to be full, whatever that looks like, be intentional about that space. Like the worst thing I can ever hear in an interview is, hey, let me squeeze you in. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the worst words you want to hear when someone's scheduling an interview with you. But the way that we really safeguard against that is I might say to you, hey, Paul, Um, you know, why'd you choose to go with Helen? And you might find yourself saying, she's a great communicator, which means, hey, we like the same sports team. She's a LeBron fan. Or it might mean, you know, she's a great- That would help. That would help. (laughs) (laughs) Right? When really I could be like, hey, Paul, and I'm not gonna say, hey, check your bias, but I might say, what tangible skills did she possess? What changed it for you? So a really good rule of thumb is to look at your resumes kind of make your decision, go into your interview. And if it changes, really check yourself first on why it's changing and then have that accountability with your team to reflect back to you in a safe way. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's good. Of course, you know, I'm bringing a little bit of levity into this, but, um, you know, I when we talk about it, and this is the reason that we are talking about it, because I think so many unconscious biases creep into our decision-making process. Um, and oftentimes, we don't get a chance to to have those biases interrupted, if you will, or we don't have someone reflecting back to us, maybe some of our blind spots that we're just unaware of, because, you know, you know what you know, you know what you don't know, and then you don't know what you don't know. And I think sometimes those unconscious biases falls into that category of you don't know what you don't know. So you need a lot of times someone reflecting that back to you or raising that level of awareness so that you can become more informed about how you are going about your decision-making process and how that affects others. Would that be, would that be a good summation of that, Jen? 
Yeah, absolutely. Paul. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. We just really have to be aware. And I think too, a large piece of this is acknowledging that we have bias and acknowledging that it exists and we're not eliminating bias. We're interrupting bias, right? We're mm. becoming aware and interrupting because there's a lot of shame that's always encompassed and been associated with admitting bias in yeah. the past. Yeah. Now we're using the term interrupting biases, right? And, and not eliminating bias. Um, explain why are we using interrupting instead of eliminating? Yeah. So the reason that we really need to understand that bias is essential in our daily life, it is essential in the workplace. You know, we can't go through 155 resumes with a fine tooth comb. We need those bias or those job qualifications to quickly select and process information. So when we understand bias as a whole and not only with a negative connotation that we mm -hmm. tend to look through that lens and society has reinforced that lens for a long time in this work, it was really from the approach of finding the problem and fix it versus understand how to coexist, right? Understand how to leverage bias in the workplace and understand to create space. So slow down right? When things are happening really quick, you have to make snap judgments. That's when your brain really depends on bias. It quickly categorizes information based mm -hmm. on what your exposure has been. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that is very good. Uh, so, so for managers, right. Uh, and other leaders, uh, you know, in different organizations in their respective places, what can they do to tackle their unconscious biases? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. So we really have to think about this as a whole. In a role of leadership, you're going to touch bias in so many different capacities. You have a touch on everything where bias can show, recruiting, hiring, retention, performance evaluations, promotions, uh, building high-performing teams, innovation, right? That's all about new ideas and thoughts. The number one thing to shape your experiences is to expose your team members to a diverse lens, to diverse thinking patterns and diverse experiences. So when we look at A, the effect and the impact that leadership has and bias can play a role in, it's really important to realize it's not just about today and the work we're doing today, but it's about the future. There was a simulation done where 87, so they started out with a 3% bias against women in okay. the simulation to look at promotions. Yeah. So 47% of women, 50% of men. After 10 cycles, it was 87% of men in leadership and 13% of females. Mm. And this was to really illustrate that not only what you're doing today matters in the present right now, but this is an ongoing measurement, right? This is a journey. It's not a destination. It's not about fix one thing and move on. And we talk a lot about safeguarding with metrics and setting SMART goals. And that's where those KPIs or those key performance indicators really come into play of, are we on the right track? Are we headed to where we want to go? Because it's not a one stop. It's a continual segment. Yeah. And the other, yeah. And the other piece of this for managers, what they can specifically do is they can really mindfully design and know their team and create tasks that are strength-based amongst their team. So what this could look like is we have things like attribution bias. So it may be like, hey, I know that this person, you know, gets it done in 24 hours, or I know that this person does this, but being really mindful of, does that person really work effectively and efficiently? Because I see them always working, or is there an ineffective process that's happening and someone else is the better person for the job, right? So it's being mindful of that. It's acknowledging first most that bias exists in the workplace. 
It's providing resources and tools for your talent to really lean into their own bias, to identify it and to explore it. And then it's creating a system where they can come to you and say, here's areas I could see myself having potential for bias. Let's brainstorm processes around this Mm. to mitigate the risk of bias showing. And another thing that's really, really valuable and important is to understand this is not perfection. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, there is not perfection. And then the final piece of that, really when you're mitigating that risk and interrupting bias and those opportunities is to make sure that you create follow-up and accountability. The last thing you want is to say to someone, this is a safe space, here's the process for reporting, and then nothing happens right? Even if it's a follow-up conversation of how are you feeling after that? Yeah. And it seems as if, you know, it sounds like it's important for, for this to, to roll from the top down, right? So for, for leadership to really model the importance of not letting unconscious bias creep in, in a negative way and how to interrupt that and how to manage that. But from a leader's perspective, because we have a lot of organizational leaders that may be listening in or what have you, uh, and especially as we begin to have conversations with other organizational leaders that want to foster change within their companies and create you know, a more healthy environment for, for others to, to come and thrive in, especially those from um, minority backgrounds, it seems like the messaging too has to be very important from leadership as it begins to go out to their existing team about the importance of managing biases and the importance of having those unconscious biases, um, you know, kind of come to the surface so that we can deal with them properly. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. I mean, not to be punny, but you really hit the nail on the head with that. Because when you look at the power of influence that leadership has, not just in today's present workforce, but in the future of what that looks like, it is pertinent. And that's why in our curriculum, we really speak to this point of how to interrupt the bias and how to really identify it. Me as a leader first, because I need to know so that I can model, right? I got to show you in order to grow you. Yeah, absolutely. That's really what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Got to show you in order to grow you. Yeah. Like that. And then, no, this has been, this has been very good. Um, And like I said, we can touch on this for, for so long. I'm sure we can come back again on another episode and expound on some things as well, but any final thoughts that you want to leave us with? Yeah. I mean, it's really kind of what I like to refer to as the ABCs, right? Mm -hmm. So A is just acknowledge that bias exists. Own it. We all have it. Let's remove the shame from it. And let's acknowledge the elephant in the room, if you will, right? Yeah. B is be uncomfortable. Really lean into the discomfort and be okay with that because that's how we create meaningful change and impact. C is continued accountability. Like I said, it's a journey. It's not a destination. This looks like frequent communication touch points. This looks like those KPIs we talked about, you know, the goals that are surrounded by this and making sure that that extension goes throughout your whole organization. Um, D is defining success collectively. And as an organization, this looks like with our our business partners, you know, with suppliers, with other contractors we might work with, with people that we're building for and our customers, make sure that we speak to what we value and that we define that for them very clearly and level set that expectation. So we're all collectively working towards that and understand what that looks like. And E is everyone plays a role. It takes all of us to create a collective impact and to really work on interrupting bias as a whole. Yeah, yeah, no, that is great. Thanks for that, Jen. I mean, you're such a wealth of knowledge. 
Um, you know, and this is definitely a topic that is worth talking about, right? Because it, it directly has an impact on yeah. the sustainability of a company, um, company culture, and also just providing opportunities for, for those who are well-qualified, that have the skill set, that have the ability, uh, but just need that, that chance, right? That equal footing. So thank you, Jen. We appreciate it. Um, we'll definitely be talking again. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Paul. And yeah, that's what we've learned today is it's a continued conversation. All right, guys. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning into our show. Remember, like, share, subscribe to the podcast and join the movement as we reach to build a better future that we can all be proud of.